migrants continue to arrive in Chicago after being bused from Texas. To date, more than 2,200, according to WTTW, have made the trip, including many people from Venezuela, men, women, and children. For many, the bus is the latest leg in a months-long journey marked by uncertainty, hardship, and sacrifice. So we're joined now by the writer of that story, Sam Gonzalez-Kelly, staff writer at the Houston Chronicle. Hi, Sam. Welcome to Reset. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. So before we talk about the uh, bus journey to Chicago, can you tell us about what's going on in Texas? Like, What type of messaging are you hearing from officials there? Yeah. Um, so what's going on is that in the past couple of years, um, as more more migrants coming from uh, Central and South America have been crossing um, the Rio Grande uh, near uh, Eagle Pass and Del Rio, um, which is much farther west on the border um, and traditionally, historically not a very highly crossed sector. Um, and it's a, you know, small cities with with not many resources for for the tens of thousands of immigrants who are crossing over every month Um, and so greg abbott governor here um said that his way of you know of addressing this was to you know send people on a bus up to liberal sanctuary cities like chicago new york dc yeah So so what's the conversation like among Texans? Because we know that this has become a, a big national story. I'm here in Chicago. I know that there's a lot of concern here, a lot of conversation. Mm-hmm. But is it a common topic of conversation there in Houston? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's it's hard to pinpoint, you know, all Texans because it's, you know, it's a, a very diverse of course. state and group of people. And Houston is a lot more liberal than the rest of the state. But um yeah, I mean, talking with immigration experts here um, and advocates, you know, there's there's a feeling that, um, you know, people who wanted to find their way up to northern cities were going to do so anyway, um, and that so and that you know having this free ride up there in and of itself is not necessarily a bad thing, but that um, you know the political messaging behind all of it um and you know just the fact that that people are being used as pawns during a campaign season uh that does uh you know somewhat muddy those those waters for for people down here so i think there's a lot of conflicted feeling around it so so what we keep hearing here in chicago is that uh, texas officials aren't giving illinois officials a a heads up on when Mm -hmm. these buses will leave and when mm-hmm. they're going to get here, right? And I know that your team, you set out to learn more about what this experience has been like for migrants, right? So you tracked yeah. and you followed a bus heading from yeah. Texas to Chicago. So how were you able to even learn about that particular bus? Right. Well, um, that that's a good question. And um, the answer is we we couldn't. Um, you know, they, the, the state was equally opaque with us. Uh, as journalist as it was, as it has been with local governments in Chicago and these other cities. Um, and so we just drove down there. Um, and, and were you there? Were you? Yes. And yeah, we, um, we were able to, to, you know, get into, um, one of these shelters in Eagle Pass, Texas. Uh, and, you know, the staff there were very kind to us and that, you know, they, 
told us, you know, as long as we got permission from people to talk to them and take their pictures, you know, that we could just hang out and wait for a bus to leave. Um, and so that's what we did. And I, I think what we learned that, you know, while there is absolutely a lack of transparency um, on the, the political end of things as far as communication between Texas and these other, uh, you know, local governments, um, there's not that much more clarity within the shelter system either. Like, you know, the first day we got there, we were told, yeah, there's definitely a bus leaving today. And then, and then, you know, so we were there for several hours mm-hmm. and, and they were like, never mind, we don't have enough people. And then the next day it was kind of the same thing. We we're like, we think we'll have a bus, but we're not sure. And so you so just had to keep mi- showing the, up the every mi- day. Sorry. So you just had to keep showing up every day. And yeah. So until we there were was- there, we were there for two days. Um, and, uh, we just got lucky that a bus left, but, um, for the migrants who are involved, you know, there was, there's so much uncertainty. Uh, I, I think a lot of, you know, we had so many people coming up asking us like, when is like, do you know if there's a bus leaving? When's it leaving? Um, yeah. and a lot of people asking like, how far is it from, cause you know, rumors had been going around that there was a bus leaving for Chicago and not everyone's going to Chicago. So a lot of people asking us, how far is it from Chicago to New York? How far is it from Chicago to North Carolina? Wow. Um, and I think a lot of people, even though New York is one of the destination cities, um, you know, which, you know, I, we would ex- tell people when they asked us that, um, there was no Sounds like a lot of guarantee confusion. of when a bus was going to leave. Yeah. So they were just like, you know, I'm going to get one step closer to my destination. And, and Sam, I'm interested in hearing more about this so-called migrant center that you were mm-hmm. at? Cause I, I have no idea what to picture as what yeah. does it look like? What, what can you tell us? Um, it's a pretty small warehouse. Um, I want to say it was a repurposed like food distribution center. Um, but, uh, a, you know, windowless warehouse. Um, wow. That's in, not in what a, I was picturing. Yeah. Um, well, to, which, you know, kind of goes back to the point that these are small cities that, uh, that are not equipped, you know, it's not like other parts of Texas farther to the South, which have been, you know, heavy crossing points for, for decades. Um, these are like relatively, you know, like I think they're kind of figuring it out as they go along, mm-hmm. but, um, but yeah, uh, warehouse, um, uh, and people just kind of milling about waiting, waiting mm-hmm. for a bus to come because the other option, buses are coming and going, like all day, like on a very regular basis. Um, but those buses all go to San Antonio for the most part, because this is such a remote town mm-hmm. that the only, the only way out uh, is a bus to San Antonio. So that's what the majority of people do. You know, they have family members here, wire them $50 for the bus, or they have yeah. some money left over from their trip and they get a bus to San Antonio. And in San Antonio, there is a very large uh, resource center, um, which, you know, offers a little bit more, um, you know, a more assistance. Um, right. But, so, so, yeah. So, so I, I want to hear more about the mood. It sounds like a lot of questions were being asked, at least at, mm-hmm. at the center, but now you're following the bus, right? So talk to us about that experience for the riders, yeah. like what, what you saw and what you heard. Because I'm also curious how it compares to what your governor, uh, your mm-hmm. governor's press secretary told you and, and your your team about what the experience was actually like for them. Did that yeah. was it the same? 
So I think it's it's tricky, and it's tricky because I think the bus drivers operated dif- potentially operated differently, knowing that they had media um, behind them. Um, they, uh, you know, like they would they would pull over onto the shoulder sometimes. They would like uh, they they'd pull into rest stops or gas stations, but they wouldn't. They weren't letting people off the bus um, besides themselves, uh, oh. you know, to use the bathrooms. And um, when we were when it stopped in Texas, I was getting texts from uh, a source on the bus who was saying that, you know, they had been told that uh, that they'd be able to get off the bus in a few hours, um, you know, more or less when the bus crossed the border into Arkansas. Um, so they were which, limiting how much, how many times migrants were able to get off the bus, yeah. and only the, yeah. the driver would come on and off from what you yeah. saw. Yes. Interesting. Um, and then, um, and then, yeah, so, um, you know, they were saying that, you know, uh, someone at the migrant shelter had told me that they're not allowed off the bus in Texas, but after, but after they cross into another state, then they're usually allowed off at rest stops and gas stations and stuff like that. Um, and my source on the bus was telling me, you know, while we were still in Texas, that there were kids on the bus who needed to use the bathroom. Um, and sure. the bathroom, the bathroom on the bus, they had been told was only for urinating, not defecating. Um, and see, so yeah, after we crossed out of Texas and the drivers began to, um, you know, kind of, they, they knew we were behind them the whole time and the migrants on the bus knew we were there. We had been talking with them for two days. You know, we developed relationships with them. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, the, at a like about halfway through the trip, the drivers started to get a little bit more squirrely as like fall, pulling over every time they saw us. And we just decided that I we see. did not want to, um, you know, for the in the migrants' best interest, we did not want to interfere. So we got out ahead of the bus and just drove the rest of the way to Chicago yeah. um, and met everyone at Union Station. This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and we're talking with Sam Gonzalez-Kelly, a staff writer at the Houston Chronicle. He recently followed a bus of migrants as it made its way from Texas here to Chicago. And right now he's sharing what he saw and what he heard from migrants about their experiences. So let's let's talk more about that, Sam. You you just mentioned you had developed relationships with these people over the course of two days. What did they say about what was motivating them to first risk their lives to come to this country? Yeah. And second, get on this bus. Um well, as far as coming here, it was, you know, largely the same story. Um a lot of people are coming from Venezuela, um, which is undergoing like serious, you know, political and economic crises right now. Um, and, uh, and people can't, you know, the price of medicine is through the roof. The price of food is through the roof. There's no work. People have families to feed. Um, and so people are coming here hoping to work, um, and send money back home. And, uh, and that's pretty, from everyone I talked to, you know, that was pretty uniform. Um, mm-hmm. It's just a matter of, like, things have gotten really desperate. And despite the dangers involved, this really seems like the best option. Like, I had one one man who had been staying um, at a hotel in Chicago for a few weeks now, a Venezuelan man. Mm-hmm. He told me, he kind of summed it up very well that, like, in you know, in Venezuela, he he might make $14 a week 
here he'll make $14 an hour um, or, you know, something like that. Right. Um, and that's kind of the mindset that, that people have. They're, they're seeing the, the benefits. Talk more about what happens when they arrive in Chicago. Where, where did right. the bus stop? So the bus gets off at Union Station um, and the 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 transfer is pretty pretty swift um you know they got off the bus and within five ten minutes they were on a cta bus ready to go to one of the you know several shelters so it was all coordinated sorry it was all coordinated then with our local um, system yeah i one of the nonprofit directors in texas um told me that she contacts her like that she contacts a a nonprofit worker, immigration worker in Chicago that she knows whenever a bus leaves and tells him like, Hey, there's going to be a bus in Chicago in 24 hours. And then that person called, you know, talks to the city. So yes, the, the Chicago police department, um, OEMC, you know, they have people out there to greet them and yeah, very quickly. Um, it was off one bus onto a CTA bus, Interesting. Uh, but but in the interim, I mean, it, it's kind of hard to over like it was. It was quite. It was a pretty special scene. You know, people were like really excited to get off this bus in like this big, you know, yeah. beautiful city. And there were, you know, there were a lot of, you know, like the some of the guys on the bus like ran over to me and my colleague and were like high fiving us, high fiving police officers, like. Um, and so there were there police one... officers there to greet them as well? Sorry? There were police officers there to greet them as yeah. well? Yeah. Um, Interesting. Yeah. I think um, I think they were just, the, the migrants were just happy to get off yeah, I, a long I mean, I bus ride. Yeah, you know, it's a, it was a really long, it's a really long drive. Um, and, uh, you know, the differences between Chicago and Eagle Pass, Texas are really stark. Um, yeah. Any sense, you know, any sense of what comes next for these folks? After they've made it yeah. here to Chicago, so um, people spend a few days in shelters, um, and uh, if their final destination is outside of Chicago, they get help moving along. Like the man who I had been in contact with on the bus, for example, I checked in with him a few days after I got back to Houston, and he he was already in New York. Um, he told me that, like, you know, an organization here helped him pay for a bus to New York and now he's there, uh, you know, looking for work. Um, and he, for people who do stay here, um, or who don't have another place to go, the state of Illinois has been putting people up in hotels. Um, I think largely focusing on families that, yeah. that arrived here together, but the hotel that, that I spent time at, um, the La Quinta Inn in Elk Grove Village, there were a lot of single men there, and some of them had told me that they had been there for weeks at this point. And the, the you know, everyone is extremely grateful for, for you know, having food and shelter and clothes donated. Mm-hmm. Um, but the main thing I'm hearing is, or that I, would, that I heard when I was there was, like, people really want to get to work, um, and yeah. the legal avenues to do that can take, could take months. Right. Um, and that's not really something that, that people can afford. So like yeah. I talked to one man who had like walked down the block and into a mechanic shop and got work. You know, he was a mechanic in 
in Venezuela, and he just got work doing that, which is yeah. well, well, you know, th- technically illegal, but yeah. they, the people don't really have another choice. That's not the case for, for, for most. The uncertainty still certainly remains. Sam Gonzalez-Kelly is a staff writer at the Houston Chronicle. Thank you so much. Of course. Thank you. Thank you for having me.